Happy New Year. Glad to have you guys with us today. Hopefully you've got had a, having a great start to you, your new year. You know, as I get ready to start a new year here at Grace Community, I have to share with you, this year I, have, I am feeling more excited than I have any other year I've been here. There are so many things that are just on the horizon for us as a community. Everything from hiring a full-time youth pastor in just a few weeks to later in the year hiring an associate pastor, expanding our campus for the first time in over a decade here at Grace so that we can reach more people for Christ, and me being able to take my first sabbatical and be away and allow Godding to work. Yes, I know my wife's excited. But giving you guys a chance to be able to experience something new just as I will be when I'm away. So I, I think that this is going to be one of the best years we've ever had here at Grace. Now, as best as I can remember, I bought this table here about maybe 1997 or so. I had moved into my, this place of my own for the first time, this little house on Ruggles Street in Florence, Arizona. And I didn't have much furniture to my name at all. I mean, I had a mattress and box springs. I did have that. And I had this old Lazy Boy chair that I had bought off of an estate sale from this one lady for like 10, 20 bucks. And that was it. That was basically my furniture that I had to bring into this home. And I knew I would need some sort of a table to be able to eat at by myself when I would get home from church or seminary. And so I went to the store and I bought this little glass table and this metal, with this metal base and four chairs all those years ago. I remember when I started serving at that church in Florence and I was trying to scrounge up all this furniture that I'd never had to have before and I didn't even have any plates to eat off of. And so there was this family at this church in Florence, Arizona who kind of felt bad for me that I was eating off of paper plates and they gave me their old set of china that they weren't using anymore. China which we still use to this day, 21 years later by the way, every single day. We still use them. And... Um, yeah, it's just amazing to me how sometimes it's easy to forget the little things like that, you know? Um, after getting this table, I remember a few months later getting roommates. And I remember us sitting at this table and having meals together and playing games around this table together. I remember about a year or so after that, Teresa and I met for the first time and we had candlelight dinners around this table. I remember staying up late at night, cramming for final exams for seminary and writing papers around this table. <laughs> I remember Isaac eating, our son, eating his first meals at this table. <laughs> we built our family around this table. It was a place to sit down, to hear about each other's days, and even discuss hard things. At times. One night, the three of us were eating dinner at this table, and one of us happened to drop our drinking glass or something in a funny way, and the tabletop, at glass tabletop, actually split in half while we we're eating it. All of our dinner kind of basically fell on the floor. And so we had to buy another piece of glass, but we didn't let go of this table. Years, years later, we finally decided we were going to upgrade to a nicer table, a wood table that would seat eight, so that we could have more than one person over at a time to serve them dinner. And, you know, we, we basically donated the chairs, but we didn't let go of this table because this table was kind of a part of us as a family. Memories were made at this table. It's a part of our lives. And, you know, no matter what culture or time in history you look to, 
People all over the world have routinely paused to eat and to share life together around tables like these. See, tables aren't just flat surfaces that we eat from. They're a place of connection between family and friends. Yet sadly, we're living at a t- in a time when we're starting to lose touch with table talk, to losing the value of this. Erratic work schedules and extracurricular activities are causing us to lose out on enjoying this age-old tradition. What used to be a place of connection at home, a, a, a gathering spot to share a piece of your lives each day, now oftentimes is just the gathering spot for mail or for homework assignments that get kind of piled up on the table. You know, recently I heard that about 20% of our meals are eaten now in our cars. Did you know that? Five years ago, less than half of American families ate as many as six meals together around the table. And a fourth of those that were getting eaten around the table were getting eaten while, eaten while watching television or watching their smartphones. And today, it's even worse. Table talk is happening less and less with family and with friends. We're raising a generation that's texting more and talking less. And many of us are losing touch with how to share face-to-face with what's really going on in our lives. How to be in relationship and how to build relationship through good times and bad. But did you know... The Bible has some great lessons in what, what we, that we can learn that are centered around table talk. The book of Acts says that early Christians grew close to each other and closer to God around the table. Because of their table talk, they carried out a grand vision to reach their whole world at that time for Christ. In the Bible, in the Bible God has a way of showing up around tables. I don't know if you recognize this before, but God is at the center of the spiritual lives of God's people in both the Old and New Testaments. And in those moments, we find a table, the table of Passover in the Old Testament and the table of communion in the New Testament. Today, I want us to look at one such passage like that, and it's in actually Luke chapter 22. I want to encourage you, if you have your Bibles, would you just take a minute and turn there with me? Luke chapter 22, starting in verse 7. If you don't have your Bible with you, just um, go to mygrace.church and the scripture will be there. But I'd love for you to follow along with me this morning and look at these scriptures with me. We're going to see today why it's so important that we intentionally invest all the time that we can into relationships. And why God values that as much as he does. Jesus values fellowship. Because it's in those moments that life is enjoyed and that relationships are built to see us through tough times. So are you there? Luke chapter 22. Now, as you begin to look at this story, you're going to see that this is a special time of year that they were having. It's called the Passover. And we don't have anything quite like that today in our culture. Thanksgiving is probably the closest thing we have to what they celebrated around with the Passover. But by this time in history, the Jews had developed this day into a huge celebration. It centered around a formal evening meal that they spent lots of time preparing for. 
families gathered in their homes, much like Thanksgiving, and there were certain foods that were their must-haves when they had Passover together. There were foods like lamb, unleavened bread, and herbs that they wanted to be sure were at every Passover meal. It was kind of like their turkey and stuffing. Now, at the first Passover that they had celebrated centuries before, it was a meal that the Jews had eaten the night before God delivered the Jewish people out of slavery in Egypt. And so God instructed them with that meal, knowing what was going to happen the next day, God instructed them to fix a roasted lamb, to fix unleavened bread, because they didn't have time for the yeast to rise. They had to make the bread quickly. And to have bitter herbs at that meal to remind them of the bitterness of slavery. This was a time of connection around a meal. And this time of connection around a meal was really important to Jesus, as we're going to see here. And he left nothing to chance. He sent his disciples into town to go ahead and to prepare this meal. Now, back then, Jesus had only male disciples back then, so it obviously it took two of them to pull off the meal, right? If he had had a woman disciple, they could have done it with just one. But yeah, but it took two for them to put this together. Now, when they ate this meal, notice what Jesus says. Look at Luke 22, verse 14. It says, when the time came, Jesus and the disciples sat down together at the table. And Jesus said, I have been very eager to eat this Passover meal with you before my suffering begins. See, he's been looking forward to eating around this table with them. Number one, because it will be the last time he does so. But that's not the only reason. You see, throughout Jesus' time on earth, he valued fellowship, building relationship around meals with people who knew him, like in this story in Luke 22, but also around the table with people who didn't know him, like Zacchaeus, which we see in Luke 19, or the story of Matthew and his friends, whom he all got together and they ate a meal with Jesus in Luke chapter 5. Jesus fed thousands of people at times on a couple of occasions, and it wasn't necessary, right? But he wanted to. He valued those moments. Jesus so valued building relationships that he told them that night, the night of this last supper, that when when you have friendships like these, he said, you're willing to lay down your life for them. And that's what Jesus did that next day, was it not? God created us, guys, to be in relationship. After God created the very first human, what did God say? It's not good that man be alone. And in the very next verse in that part of Genesis, do you know what that verse is? It's a verse where God creates the opportunity for people to sin and to separate themselves from God. He knew as he created man that we were going to need each other. God knows we are better together. For us to survive in this world, to have any lasting significance in it, it takes relationship, doesn't it? Time spent together with each other. I mean, think about it. Who who are the people in your life who have made the most lasting impression on you? Can you think of who those people might be? How many of them did so without any relationship with you? Just doesn't happen, does it? 
and for us to be better people ourselves, it takes us being in relationship with others, with people like us and people who aren't like us. But the table isn't just a place where we build relationships with each other. The table is also a place where we build relationship with God, actually. Look at verse 19. It says that, a little bit later, it says that Jesus took some bread and he gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it into pieces and gave it to the disciples saying, this is my body which is given for you. Do this to remember me. And after supper, he took another cup of wine and he said, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood, which is poured out as a sacrifice for you. Isn't that interesting? You know, as I said before, the Passover meal held a lot of significance to them every year. It was a reminder to them that God met them, that God had delivered them. So this meal, it was also a a place of worship, a, a time of connection where they focused on God to give him praise and glory. And they did so every single year. But by this time in history, the Jews had turned this Passover meal into far more than a meal. They actually had turned it into a worship service. I mean, there, is, there are historical Jewish documents that talk about, by the time of Jesus, how they celebrated this Passover meal. It's really interesting. It's, it's kind of all laid out, this kind of like this order for how they do this meal together. And it started with a prayer, as you might expect. They would pray together uh, to open their meal. And then they would have a cup of wine. And they would have a dish of herbs and some sauce. And while they ate those bitter herbs, they would tell each other the story of the first Passover. They would walk through that story once again and remind themselves of the goodness of God, of the faithfulness of God, and how he met them. And then it says in this script that they would actually read Psalm 113 together, and they would have a second cup of wine. And then they would have the lamb and the bread. They would eat that. And then they would have a third cup of wine. And then they would close out this time by worshiping, by singing Psalms 114 through 118. And yes, having a fourth cup of wine. So by the time they got to Psalm 118, they were really feeling it. I can guarantee you. They were enjoying themselves. And get this. That night, as they were following this pattern that they had followed every year for all these years having those four cups of wine, having the lamb, having the bread, having the bitter herbs, Jesus decides to totally rewrite the script. He rewrote how they'd worship around this meal, totally changing its significance. He made the bread now a symbol of his body, which he said he was going to break for them. And then he took one of these cups of wine. I don't know if it was the third or the fourth cup that they were at by that point. And he said this cup was going to symbolize his blood, which he would shed for them. And no doubt they're thinking, what are you talking about, Jesus? But as a New Testament scholar N.T. Wright once said, when Jesus himself wanted to explain to his disciples what his forthcoming death was all about, he didn't give them a theory. He gave them a meal. Jesus talked about being blessed and broken and given for them, which is the heart of the Christian story, right? And he told them how to to now continue this story, this fellowship meal. And he said to continue having this meal together 
in remembrance of me. Today, Christians have modernized and I believe maybe in one way kind of minimized what Jesus was doing that night. We've turned a time of fellowship and connection in homes, a meal where we, they retold the stories of God and how God was good and how God was faithful. And we've turned it into a, an occasional five-minute moment every now and then in a worship service where we have a little piece of bread and we drink a little miniature cup of juice. And for those five minutes, we remember all the things that God has done for our lives. And it works. I mean, don't get me wrong. We're going to do that in just a few moments. We're going to remind ourselves of that story once again and how God is interweaving that story into the story of our own lives. But I was thinking as I was putting this message together, I was thinking, gosh, imagine what it would look like if we brought communion back into the home again. Also, if we made it a point every now and then in meals when we're eating around the table together, to sometimes just stop and look at each other and grab a piece of bread, grab whatever it is that we're drinking, and we tell the story. And we remind ourselves how good God has been to us. And tell the stories of how God's been good in our lives even recently and make that a moment of connection. I mean, imagine what a worshipful moment that could be in our own homes on any given night. Because the table is meant to be a place of connection with each other, yes. But it's also meant to be a place of connection with God. Worshiping is an important part of our life as a follower of Jesus. It's one of the big four spiritual commitments that we talk about here at Grace that we really seek to live into to help live out the vision of grace in our own lives. To make time each week to come together here on a Sunday morning and to give God our very best because we are convinced that God is worth it, that he has that place of importance in our lives. So we walk through these doors and we sing and we give and we do all these things as an offering up to God to show him how much we love him and how much we care for him. But worship is more than what we do a few minutes here on a Sunday morning. Right? I said earlier that our big idea today was that Jesus values fellowship. Because it's in moments like these that life is enjoyed, but also moments like these that relationships are built to see us through tough times. To see us through tough times even in relationships, navigating conflict or disagreement. I mean, let's face it. At some point... Pretty much anybody and everybody in your life that you spend any amount of time with, they're going to disappoint you, right? At some point, they're going to tick you off. They're not going to meet your expectations. They may even hurt you deeply. That's just life, isn't it? And believe it or not, I know this seems crazy, but sooner or later, you're also going to do that to pretty much everybody around you. In your life also, right? How do we survive these tough times? How how do our relationships survive these times of conflict? It's through times at the table. When we sit down together and we share lives together, we share what God's doing in our lives and we work through things together. 
If fellowship, if time hasn't been invested around table talk or trail talk on a hiking trail or out on the golf course, then that relationship may not survive that time of conflict. Now notice in this story, after this beautiful time of connection to God and worshiping God, two conflicts break out. Not one, but two. Right right there at this perfect moment, this perfect setting where they're worshiping God and they're celebrating this Passover meal, two arguments break out, two conflicts. The first one, Jesus points out someone at the table who isn't being authentic, who really isn't building relationship at the table, but just kind of faking it and is about to betray Jesus. And he points to Judas and Judas takes off and runs into the night. And then the very next verse, did you notice? Look at verse 24. Look what happens as soon as as Judas runs off in verse 24. What does it say happens? Then they began to argue among themselves about who would be the greatest among them. Isn't that crazy? I mean, they've just had this moment with God. And now they're bickering over who's the best. I mean, they've already had this argument once before. If you flip back to Luke chapter 9, you see that they've already had this argument at least once. And now they're having it again. And Jesus reminds them in verse 28, in that moment, of the importance of staying in relationship in hard times. Likewise, It's over times around the table in our lives that relationship happens and that fellowship is built to stand through, to withstand the inevitable challenges and conflict that we're going to face in this life. Connection brings conflict. It just does. Those without the investment of fellowship find it harder to walk through those times of conflict or disagreement. Jesus values that we spend time together in fellowship as a family it doesn't serve us well because of the busyness of our lives to minimize it or to cut it short because it's in those times that life is enjoyed yes but it's also in those times that relationships are built to see us through whatever difficult times may be facing us down the road i wonder in the busyness of your life How much are you valuing or prioritizing table talk? How often do you reach out and grab lunch after church, say, with someone that you don't know very well, that you've been meaning to meet with, or maybe someone that you haven't connected with in quite some time, to just have some table talk and see what's going on in each other's lives? How often do you reach out to your neighbor, maybe that person that you know who doesn't really have a relationship with Christ, and just say, hey... Why don't you come over to the house for dinner tomorrow night? We'd love to just connect with you a little bit. How often do you maybe set up a game night or something around your dinner table at your home where you gather together a bunch of people and you just spend time together around a table? You know, it's so easy for us to let all of our evenings get absorbed with the television, right? Or our smartphones, YouTube, Facebook, whatever. It's so easy to let something as simple as this, as table talk, be lost. But it's in these moments that life happens. It's in these moments that relationships are built that stand the test of time. 
This month, we as a faith community are going to adventure, going to venture to have some table talk time of our own here in each worship service. And each week, I want to grab a couple of people to just sit down with me and talk a little bit about you know, what God's doing in their lives so that we can connect with them and we can learn a little bit about their story, but also so that we can talk a little bit about what's important to us as a faith community here at Grace and talk about our grand vision that God has given us for the future. So I want to start that time this morning by asking a couple people to come forward. Would you please welcome to the stage Jody Shipton and Tim Henson. Thank you guys for coming up here this morning. Um, let me ask you, as we're kind of getting started this morning, you guys have both been around here, I think, for like maybe three or four years. Is that right? Are there any places where maybe you're serving and people might remember, have had a connection with you? How, where, where do you guys serve here at Grace these days? Uh, well, I'm, I play bass sometimes uh, with the band, and uh, I'm in a small group. And I was involved with Alpha for a couple of years and really enjoyed that. So that's a bit of what I do. How about you, Jody? Me. I started here about four years ago, and I started ushering a few years ago. And then I took heartbeat class and led to Alpha, led to my life group, my small group. And um, we've been together for two years now, and I'm still ushering. And my son is in middle school going through confirmation right now. That's cool. So you're one of those people who hand us the program on Sunday mornings. Thank you for serving in those ways. You know, as I, I was, you guys helped me realize this in the first service as you were talking, how important even the ministry of Alpha has been in the life of our community here at Grace because it's, around, it's at Alpha that we sit around tables together and we have a meal. And that's kind of the focus of how we spend our time. And over, the, over time in Alpha, over those Several weeks when Alpha meets, by we're starting another one just in a couple of weeks if you haven't been a part of one. Or if you have, grab somebody that you know who hasn't. Maybe someone who doesn't even know Christ yet or who is struggling with faith. But get them here because we sit around a table and we talk about what's going on in our lives. But we also use that as an opportunity to ask the tough questions about faith. And we wrestle with those together. Now, let me ask you guys, as you think back on your lives, whether... Maybe it's recent years or even in your own childhood. What memories do you have around the dinner table? Maybe it's meals together or, or homework or praying together. How, how does your table get used at home these days? Um, so uh, as a child, we always sat together at a table for dinner. It was um, a tradition. And as I got older, when I was 16, my dad remarried, and um, he married a Christian woman, and we became a blended family of six. So we moved into a big house. We had a formal dining room, and we had dinner every night. And my stepmom insisted that each night we take turns saying prayers. And, of course, with us kids, it wasn't our favorite thing to do. So we uh, did the traditional rub-a-dub-dub prayer. <laughs> and, uh, but those meals were great. But it makes me reflect now, as what I'm doing now, I have a smaller family. I have a husband and a son, and my husband works crazy hours. So... Now we sit at a island and we're you know, three in a row and um, you know we talk and we eat, but I feel like across the table is much better. So I feel that's something I can work on for sure. So, hmm. how about you, Tim? Uh, for me, when I was a kid, my parents had their own business. They worked long hours at that business, so oftentimes my sister and I would just have TV dinners by ourselves. 
Um, that was just the way it was. But when we would have uh, family dinners, uh, when we were able to be together, we would always kind of be around the table. There weren't distractions, and so we would have discussions. Uh, for Jeanette and I and our kids, we have three kids, um, we, when they were younger, we were around the table, and we would talk about the day, et cetera. But as they got older and Cub Scouts and Girl Scouts and church things and um, we moved away from that table. So we, mm. we have to be very intentional when we choose to do it now, but oftentimes we don't. You know, we get caught up in um, taking a quick meal over television before homework and our other activities and stuff. Yeah. So we're not as good at it now as we used to be. Yeah, I totally get it. We, as I was even thinking about this series, I was thinking, man, we, we were guilty too. You know, when I was growing up, um, I had a brother, my mom and dad. My dad was a farmer, worked ridiculously long hours. But there was always this high priority that my mom and dad had that we would sit down at least for dinner every day and we would have a meal together. And we also had Sunday lunch together. That was a big, big, big deal. And these days, I mean, with, you know, I work crazy hours too sometimes, but I haven't valued that as much. I haven't taken that time to focus on that. I, it's so easy to just work into 6 or 7 o'clock, get a little bit more done, and those moments are lost, you know. That's really, it's really been making me think. Now, when, you're, when you have had those times around the table together as a family, what sort of things do you talk about? What kind of memories do you, can you think of that have been made around the table? For us, it was pretty much how was your day? What are you doing? Do you have homework? Um, who did you eat lunch with? Um, mm-hmm. And you know, just kind of catching up on the day for each of us and maybe talking about what we we're going to do for the weekend. And actually, right now, that's pretty much our big thing when we are three together. We're, what are we going to do this weekend? And we do love having people over, so we'll do that at least once a month. But um, it's mostly just, you know, get to know your day kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. For us, uh, I mentioned at the first service that um, Jeanette tends to be the one that, that might kind of lead our discussion if we're having kind of a group a family meeting, I guess, or a family meal where we're all together. And usually she'll just say, how was your day? And invariably, if any of us, any of the rest of us end up starting complaining about something, she'll say, okay, what was the best thing that happened to you today? And who, who was someone new that you spoke with today? Or what was the thing that made you smile today? She really kind of tries to find a way to make things positive. Mm. So I really value that. I find that it helps me when I'm having one-on-one conversations with any of my kids to kind of be thinking through that kind of make sure that we're kind of keeping things in a hopeful way and a looking forward yeah. manner. Yeah, I would agree. When, when, when we used to have our foster daughter Maria in the house, our table time would be so much more meaningful because my, between my wife and my daughter, I mean, they just talk, 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 talk. And for me, I could just, as an introvert, just sit back and enjoy it. You know, I didn't have to say much of anything. And of course, you ask our son anything, how's your day? I was fine. What'd you do today? Nothing. So, I mean, that's basically the extent of his conversation. And so now it's kind of weird around the dinner table because Maria's not there and Teresa's like trying to pull out of us something that happened in our day, you know? That sounds like my house. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of connection, our times of worshiping God together on the weekends, uh, one of the first ways that people get connected here at Grace is when they walk through those doors for the first time and start making some connections on a Sunday morning. I wonder, what was that like for each one of you when you came and... How have you built built deeper and stronger relationships with people at Grace since then? When I walked in the doors four years ago, and it was New Year's, and um, I had shopped around a little bit and went to several different churches, but um, Tina Steele actually invited me here. And um, I was very welcomed, and I liked the service. Um, My son and I, because my husband works Sundays, um, 
you know, we really enjoyed it. Uh, he liked the Sunday school. And I remember leaving at the end of the day, going to the counter and getting my gift and my mug, which I still have. And I just remember how warm it was, so I wanted to come back. And I think it was, uh, you know, about a year later, I was invited to do ushering. And um, and then from there, the, the biggest thing for me was taking the heartbeat class because I wanted to know more about the church. And um, I met some people there pulled Angela Holler in there and then convinced her to do Alpha with me. And through that was probably the biggest change here at Grace for me because I was a little over two years ago we did Alpha and I met an amazing group of people. And to this day, they're like family to me. And we meet every other week and have dinners together. And I feel a lot more comfortable and confident in being in the church and continuing to usher and do things and get to know people. Uh, for me, we came almost around the same period of time, three or four years ago, and um, I, I, we knew Harry Tuck, uh, but, I, but we didn't know him uh, really with being at this church, and we had met Cindy Baker years before, but otherwise we didn't really have anyone close. Um, and every time, at almost every church we'd ever gone to, I was always Jeanette's husband. <laughs> like, I, I was not involved in much of anything specifically myself, I was just always you know, the guy standing next to her. And so I knew I had to be involved in something. I went to the heartbeat class and uh, and just kind of learned a little about the church. And then, like, the next week, I signed up for Alpha, uh, same as Jody. And, and the very first, and not knowing anyone at Alpha, I grabbed a friend also and said, come to this thing with me. And the very first thing you do is you just sit down at a dinner table with everyone else who doesn't know anyone, just strangers, and I met Renee, and I met a number of other people, and we had a meal together. That was the real start of me gaining my own friendships here at the church. Mm-hmm. And, it, and from there, it led to this great small group that we're in, and it's been going on for years. Now I know many people. That's pretty cool. So I want to encourage you guys, they're talking about heartbeat. We'll offer another one of those here in just a few weeks if you're interested. And it's where we sit down and we have a meal together uh, after a second service. And we just share about what's going on at Grace and how you can be a part and what the vision of Grace is for moving forward. But let me just close up our time together this morning by giving you a little bit of a homework assignment. And trust me, this isn't going to be a hard one. This is a super easy one. But I think this would be a really meaningful one for you and for your families. I want to encourage you each week during the month of January to think of at least one family, one individual that you can take out to lunch, that you can take out to dinner, that you can take out to coffee, something around a table and just connect. Maybe it's someone that you see around this room that you think, gosh, I haven't connected with them in months, maybe even years. And you take that time, maybe even after this service, to go grab Panera or Mod Pizza with them. Or maybe... It's someone that you've never, you've intended to sit down and get to know here in this room and you've never really done that. You always say, I'm going to. But what if you did that this week or this month? Maybe, maybe it's your, a neighbor. Maybe it's someone in your cul-de-sac that you know, you've been saying to yourself over and over again, we need to have them over. What if you take that step this month and start that process of building those relationships? Because it's through those times of building relationship that life happens and that you can work through, um, we, you can build relationships that will stand the test of time, even when conflicts may come down the road. Thank you, guys. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you for this opportunity this morning to dig into your word and to think about, the, think about relationships a little bit more. Lord, as we look at the storyline of Scripture, what we see is that, I mean, er, relationships are everything. 
It's how you started out life for us as humans here in the book of Genesis. And it's how you want us to continue to live our lives week after week after week. Lord, we thank you for the example of Scripture and how the table is front and center in the Old Testament with Passover and now in the New Testament with communion as we remember the sacrifice that you made for us so that not only we could have relationship with each other but also relationship with you. Relationship with you that could withstand any conflict, any sin that might get in the way. Lord, in these next few moments as we take of communion together, I pray that it will be a really special time for each one of us. May it not just be a ritual, something we do for five minutes as part of our worship service, Lord, but a time when we really think about the story of communion, that we think about what you've done for us. Lord, in these moments, I pray that you would help us to determine how we can process this message we've heard, how we might even take a a next step of faith in our own journeys this week by reaching out to some people and inviting them out to a meal or to hike with us or a time out in the golf course. In Jesus' name, amen.